0: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome in to another episode of B-Shape Daily. It's Monday, Monday, Monday. Welcome in everybody. Brendan Schaefer joining you here for this edition of B-Shape Daily. And you'll notice we went straight from Friday to an episode on Monday. No weekend episodes this time around. I mentioned, I believe on the show Friday that it may not happen I had my mom coming into town, and then some other crazy stuff happened this weekend. Uh, It just wasn't going to happen for the podcast uh, for a weekend episode. So I do apologize about that. But what that means is we've got some elements of the Cardinals that we can talk about from not only Monday, which was a win over the Minnesota Twins, but we can talk a little bit about some things that happened on Saturday and Sunday as well as we get into this episode. I believe we're about halfway through spring training because the regular season starts on March 26th. I'm not sure exactly. I'm trying to think back which day was like the first official day, but I know that I've been here almost three weeks, and so uh, closing in on the halfway point at the very least. But plenty of developments going on with the Cardinals right now, Uh, some injury updates to give, some of which are maybe not going to be that insightful, but I'll tell you what we know about some of these guys. Uh, we can start there. Monday, uh, a couple of the Cardinals left-handed pitchers had some issues on Monday. Henesis Cabrera made the start for the Cardinals, would have probably gone two or three or so innings. But in the second, he ran into some trouble when had a meeting with the trainers. And I think Mike Schilt might have been out there the whole meeting on the mound of all the players and from that, he departed the game. We found out later that it was because of a cracked fingernail, and that was the reason he was unable to continue in the game. Mike Schultz talked about he would need an acrylic nail or some acrylic applied to the nail. It wasn't exactly clear about like how much of the nail was gone or cracked or what the case was. It sounded kind of gnarly, but not something they're overly concerned about because once they apply the acrylic or whatever the procedure is for that in a couple of days, Mike Schultz said he'll probably start throwing again and, and should be able to pick right up where he left off. And so, maybe not a, a massive concern, but it was kind of disappointing because, as I'm going to talk about in the episode today, Daniel Ponce de Leon, Austin Gomber, two Cardinals starters that you kind of think, uh, you think of them in more of the depth bucket, the extra category of pitchers of arms that, yeah, you know, it's it's okay if if we have to go to these guys in June or July, but... I don't think a lot of Cardinals fans came into the spring anyway thinking, yeah, Austin Gomber or Daniel Ponce de Leon being in the rotation to start the year would be fine. No, generally the attitude was, if that happens, some catastrophic stuff has taken place with multiple injuries. Now, so far this spring, we've had Miles Michaelis go down, so there's one, and beyond that, there haven't really been injuries to the starting rotation, but you've had Carlos Martinez trying to work his way back into that role. I think that's progressing well, if I were to give my own personal opinion on it. His last outing, Carlos went three innings, had 51 pitches, uh, which, you know, is about 100 pitches over a six-inning outing. That would be acceptable during the regular season. Uh, was not efficient at all, though, in the first inning that he pitched, and so that kind of skewed the numbers. After that first inning, though, he was very, very good. I think he threw about as many pitches in innings two and three combined as he did in inning number one. And so, once he got that first inning behind him on Saturday, Carlos was stupendous, and there's every reason to believe that he is right on track for the rotation. But I'm kind of getting off topic a little bit, just talking about, okay, Michaelis got hurt, Carlos looks like he's on track, Dakota Hudson doing well, Jack Flaherty, Adam Wainwright seem to be progressing, and so that kind of leaves the spot. Kwon Yun Kim, question mark. Uh, He was supposed to make the start today, before Genesis Cabrera... But because he is now dealing with a groin issue, he threw a side session instead and the Cardinals hopeful that he'll be able to get back on track soon, similar to, to Cabrera. But, you know, we just don't know exactly yet what that what could potentially become of that. And so there's another question mark to where if for whatever reason KK is not able to to be on the same path, like we've still got three weeks before the regular season, even more than three weeks. And so you'd think that any minor injuries would then be, you know, over and done with by the time the regular season is set to start. But, you know, it's only a minor injury until it turns into a bigger injury. And so we'll have to wait and see what the status for Kim is. But my point in saying all this and kind of correcting myself from the idea that there are no other injuries going on in the rotation, because Kim definitely would qualify as as someone who's a little bit behind the schedule they thought he'd be anyway for what was supposed to happen on Monday. But Hennessy's Cabrera going down or just not being able to display his, you know, his abilities and trying to see how deep he could go if he could get through three innings as some of the other starters have done recently. It would have been nice to see how he would factor into that competition because, to be sure, right now, Daniel Ponce de Leon, Austin Gomber, they both shined over the weekend in their recent opportunities. And so it's a shame that we didn't get a chance to look at Cabrera and potentially put him into that same category he had a okay first inning danced around a little bit of trouble did Henesis Cabrera on Monday uh but we'll, we'll get into some of these performances and kind of look through you know I don't have a perfect answer for how to make happen what I'm about to say next but I right now I think Austin Gomber should be in the Cardinal starting rotation to start the season and I you know if Quan if Yun Kim isn't healthy boom there's an answer if you know somebody else goes down between now and in the end of the month that would be another answer but Gomber has looked like the Cardinals best pitcher so far this spring you know Jack Flaherty's looked good uh, you know there have been others that have looked good Austin Gomber both times he's he's pitched that I've seen he's been absolutely dominant and you know I, I and P- Ponce de has been the same thing and so that's why I'm I'm kind of trying to like struggle to figure out because I don't have a hot take to come on here and say Austin Gobbard needs to be in the rotation and they need to sit Dakota Hudson down because like Dakotas look fine too. And he was one of their better starters last year. You can say what you will about, you know, his, his fielding, independent pitching, and how he led the league in walks, which he did. But bottom line ERA 3.35, 16 wins, and. A guy who just went out and battled and, and pitched around some danger, but he, he did it successfully, and the Cardinals won a lot of games because of it, and so I, I'm not trying to put down any of the starters because the starters that are healthy and still con- contributing in camp, everybody's performing pretty well. Like Adam Wainwright, he's coming along. You know that there are going to be times where he's he's not quite as as sharp, and he's got to find a way to make outs when that happens, but by and large, I'm taking Adam Wainwright and what he's going to give you because uh, I, I saw it last year. I think he's that same guy. I think he's still healthy. I think he's still going well. I've got plenty of confidence that Adam Wainwright could be a, a quality contributor for the Cardinals this year. So I, I say all these things without having like a a nice ribbon to wrap it up with and and say here's who needs to you know who needs to leave the rotation to make room for these guys. But Gomber and Ponce, the Cardinals would would be in good hands if if they need to go to these guys and you know as of right now I could make a prediction and say where I think everybody's going to go but things are still ever evolving And, and again today I didn't even get to talk about yet the Andrew Miller injury or whatever we're calling it he says he feels no issues physically but Mike Schultz said today he was scratched from his bullpen appearance after warming up down there at Roger Dean Stadium in the in the bullpen on the field he couldn't get a feel for the ball and it was kind of vague kind of strange kind of makes you think like is it a nerve issue is it you know what exactly is going on here in his last outing it was his first outing of the season of the spring he had in Port St. Lucie a few days ago when they played the Mets and I it was the most bizarre thing I I can't remember if I've gotten to talk about this yet on the podcast or not that might have been Friday's game, so I may have discussed it a little bit. But Miller was... He was all over the place. It was bizarre. Like, he he hit Tim Tebow with a pitch. And all you really need to do against Tim Tebow is throw it right down the pipe, and he's not going to hit it. More often than not. Uh, especially if you're Daniel Leon, who just challenged him with fastballs. So yeah, that must have been Friday's game, because Leon pitched Friday. If I said earlier Saturday, I apologize. But yeah it was just really strange to watch Andrew Miller now he did end up settling down and getting out of that outing out of the inning had at least one strikeout and ended up looking you know vintage Andrew Miller by the end of it but then come again on Monday he's not he doesn't even go into the game because of whatever these issues are and Miller doesn't you know necessarily really know what's going on either so the the thought is the Cardinals will probably be putting him through tests and trying to figure it out Mike Schultz All he said was it'll have to be addressed. So I imagine that means they're going to have him run, run through some tests of some sort and try to figure out and pinpoint what exactly is going on with Andrew Miller. But that's another situation where, you know, another lefty, we thought the Cardinals had all this left-handed depth in their, in their bullpen today, Genesis Cabrera who could have been in line for an opportunity in that bullpen down the line, you know, right now he's competing as a starter, But you could conceivably see where his stuff would play in a late inning role for the Cardinals if he's right. And so that's a guy who's gonna be out for at least a couple of days now. Andrew Miller, that sounds a little bit more ominous because if they can't figure it out, and it, you know, if it does become where it's nerve related, or, you know, who knows? It could he could end up missing some time for sure. And so you gotta kinda keep an eye on that. Brett Cecil, the good news is Brett Cecil looked very good on Monday, and so maybe the Cardinals end up needing Cecil as you know, one of the primary lefties in their bullpen. And then if some other guys are injured, and again, we've got time before the regular season. I don't need mean to be, you know, negative about things, but there, there's time for guys to get healthy, but there's also time for more guys to get hurt. And so it, it's going to be really interesting to see how how things play out. And knock on wood, the Cardinals can keep some of the help that they've had. But something I wrote about today on Monday for KMOV there are other guys young guys that I would not have gotten an opportunity that now are definitely in play for opportunities if some of these injuries linger beyond the, the course of the next week or two and then we start getting closer to opening day and you say well maybe if they're healthy by now that's great but we got to ramp them back up it might be a deal where they start on the injured list or you know we we put guys that do have options and we start them out in the minor leagues to try to make sure that they're ready to go when we when we need to call upon them for a big league game because you, you can't mess around at that point in time. You you know the margins. They're, they could be slim at the end of a season. It could come down to one or two games that you make or miss the playoffs because of. So uh, I, I think they, they won't take any chances, and they, they don't have to right now because you've got guys like Junior Fernandez and Cody Whitley. Cody Whitley's got to be on this team too. And again, I, I mentioned their names in the article I wrote. You can check it out for KMOV. When you think about the rotation – You think about the bullpen and the battle competition for playing time in the outfield there are a lot of guys that you you know cardinals would call them internal options you'd call them why didn't they sign you know castellanos or ozuna or bum garner or whomever like that's just kind of the nature of the way fans see things oftentimes and i don't blame them i'm not i don't want to come off as i'm taking the side of the the team to say well the payroll is what it is because we just can't afford to spend anymore i don't believe that to be true they choose not to spend more. And that's fine. That's their prerogative. I, I Like, I get that, and I think that's totally well within the rights of fans to say, well, I have a problem with that because I think if you sign so-and-so, you'd be a better team. And so those kind of ideologies can clash a little bit, but when I look at the so-and-sos that were out there to be signed for the Cardinals this season, this offseason, in a lot of ways, they reminded me of the kind of players that they've signed and it hasn't panned out, like Dexter Fowler and... Brett Cecil and Greg Holland and some of the, you know, Ozuna, they could have re-signed. I think Ozuna's going to mash for the Braves. I've said this. I think he's going to have a great season. I don't know that it would have been the case necessarily if he would have come back to St. Louis. I think you would have gotten more of the same, which was a, a fine player who would go on streaks for, you know, a couple few times a year and he could carry you. But at the end of the year, the, the numbers are just going to be a little bit better than average. OPS plus 107 to 110. That's the kind of guy he was his couple of seasons with the Cardinals. And so Cardinals didn't want to chase that, that, you know, the raw power is there and we've seen him do it elsewhere in, you know, Miami in 2017. So the the Cardinals were done chasing the Ozuna, the Ozuna stats and they, they let him go. And so I think when you look at the starting pitchers that were out there, yeah, there's an argument to be made that Madison Bumgarner is a, you know, a pretty sure thing. But when it comes to starting pitchers, you know, you certainly can can end up having issues where guys get hurt, and they went with Kwon Young Kim for a you know basically nothing as far as what they had to pay him. And again, that's not to say they couldn't have swapped in one of these other lefties like Keiko or Hunjin or Ryu, guys that were commanding larger salaries and longer term contracts, and those guys could end up outperforming Kwon Young Kim this year. And more likely than not, they will, especially if Quan Young-Kim is dealing with some injuries and, and he's, you know, for whatever reason, wouldn't be able to, to do the full season. But there's also the world in which you can say, we're the Cardinals and we trust that Austin Gomber's actually pretty good and we trust that Ponce de Leon is actually pretty good and we realize that, you know, signing a Quan Young-Kim, we can tell him he can compete for the rotation, but nothing's necessarily guaranteed and it's just the nature of the way things work in sports. Big contracts that has that carries weight. It carries meaning, and if you've got a big contract, if the Cardinals had signed Madison Bumgarner to, to a big deal, he was going to be in the rotation. It wasn't going to be like his spring performance wasn't good enough, and so we, we can pivot. It's just not the way it works. It's the same reason Dexter Fowler is going to be in the starting lineup on opening day. He will be, unless he's hurt and on the injured list. He'll be in there. Had three strikeouts on Monday. Kind of weird. He worked a full count for each of the three strikeouts, but you know, didn't put a single ball in play. And, and so he's Mike Schultz said, he's seeing the ball. Like you, you to, to have three full counts. I think it's worth mentioning because he's not just going up there and, and swinging at bad pitches for the most part, he was swinging at pitches in the strike zone. I went back and, and rewatched his at bats afterward. So I could talk on it with a little bit of authority, but you know, he, he was just swinging through pitches that he was swinging at a lot of, a lot of breaking stuff, but usually it was breaking stuff in the strike zone for the most part, or right around the strike zone today. And he just was not able to make good contact. He fouled off a few pitches, but it just seems like the, the timing of Fowler's swing right now, not at the right place, uh, you know, the timing of the way he's seen the ball looks looks fine. I think he's he's choosing, he's selecting his pitches well. He just wasn't making contact today. And he's, you know, he's now one for 15 this spring. That's an 067 batting average. If that's the way he starts the regular season, that's not going to play, but for a few weeks. But he does have the contract. And he is a veteran player, and so I don't think the Cardinals are exclusive to, to treating things this way. But Fowler's going to be in there, and, and, and they're going to give him the opportunity to work himself out of things because he's been there before, and he's he's proven himself in the past. And so that's that's the way it's going to be, but it's also partially because of that contract. Now, with Quan Yun Kim, they told him he you know, could compete for the rotation. If he's not performing, though, do I hesitate to think they might shift and put him in the bullpen and say, Austin Gomber, it's all you? I think that you could more justifiably do that than you'd be able to do if you were sunk in on a big contract and you didn't necessarily know if the guy was going to pan out. I, I think the Cardinals decided to go the less risky route and I can totally understand with you disagreeing with that, but they might have also known that you can only block Ponce de Leon for so long if things go well. You can only block Gomber so long if things go well. And that's kind of how you see the Cardinals in the past having traded guys away because they thought, well, we just have all this depth and we're good. We, you know, put it, put it on paper. We know who our rotation is going to be. There's no room for these guys. They did that with Marco Gonzalez. And I'm not saying that Tyler O'Neill is not part of their plans for this year because he very well could be the starting left fielder, but they traded away Marco Gonzalez and Marco Gonzalez has since gotten himself a big contract because he's been nothing but quality for the Mariners in their rotation how much would the Cardinals have liked to have had that lefty presence in their rotation last year? I think you could, could say it would have been nice. Austin Gomber could be that guy. He could have been last year, but he was hurt. So, it, you know, these things kind of happened. And, and I'm not saying the Cardinals had the foresight to know that Gomber was going to be this guy when he showed up to spring camp or that Ponce de Leon, after going to drive line in the offseason and kind of reworking some things and, and getting his mechanics in sync and his, his delivery feeling good, that he was going to be pushing for a spot on this roster the way he has been. I think the Cardinals, you know, if they're being honest, would would say they've been pleasantly surprised by by what Ponce de Leon has brought. They 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 know he has talent. They always knew he had. You know, he was part of their postseason roster last year for a reason, as Mike Schultz said. But he was a guy that was kind of the Memphis shuttle guy last year. He was up and down, up and down extra depth. I don't think that that should be his role this year. If he's pitching the way he's pitching right now, he's using his fastball. He's commanding it with authority and and his other pitches look pretty sharp. Good curveball that he could mix in every, every so often and working with the slider and the cutter to try to figure out exactly what that pitch is going to be. But he's got enough weapons to, to be in a rotation. Austin Gomber does too. So uh, reiterating, I'm not making a claim of who who the Cardinals starting five should be right now. I'm glad it's not my decision, but I, I'm starting to think, I don't know that I would want either Gomber or Ponce de Leon wasting bullets in Memphis. Now, the problem with that is they're 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 definitely your sixth and seventh best starters, if not within your top five. And so you're going to want to have at least one of those guys in Memphis for when the next starter does get hurt because it will happen. It happens every year. You don't hardly ever, if if not ever, would you go through a season with your entire starting rotation intact where nobody ever gets hurt? It just doesn't happen. The Cardinals had very good fortune last year with that, but there were still times where guys missed starts. I believe Adam Wainwright, it wasn't even an arm injury. It was something like a hamstring or something in his leg that happened last year where he only missed like a start or two. I think it may have been Ponce de Leon that took one of those starts. But in that case, it was Ponce coming up for five innings, and he's back down. He's, he's not to be heard from again until May. That happened in April. And so it's not really fair to him, and I don't think it's fair to the Cardinals' chances of, of wanting to win to have both of these guys, Gomber and Ponce, stashed away in Memphis. I think if I had to predict today, Gomber will end up being stashed in Memphis unless one of these injuries for a projected starter lingers. And he'll be your top top man, you know, the, the next man up situation. It'll be Austin Gomber. Uh, and that's as of today. Injuries will change that. More news on the injuries that we already know about will change that. Ponce de Leon, I think, ends up in the bullpen. I don't know exactly what, what the role is, uh, but I don't, I don't see how you can keep both these guys down. And because Ponce has a little bit more experience in the bullpen, Gomber has worked out of the bullpen too, but Ponce kind of proved himself last year in the role to the extent that the Cardinals were happy to have him on the postseason roster. I I hope the Cardinals can be creative and strategic if this ends up being where he lands with the way they use Ponce de Leon. Because I don't I don't think there's a lot of value in the multi-inning relief guy that it's a blowout in one way or the other and so, you know, something happened to our starter, we need to fill innings, you know, so just save our bullpen. I think Ponce can be so much more than that and so I'd love to see be a little bit strategic. Say there's a game where Dakota Hudson only goes four or five innings, but it's a it's a two to one Cardinals lead, and he's just got his pitch count up, and and the opportunity to pinch hit, you know, comes about, and you got to take it, you got to go for the runs. Okay, totally get that. Call on Daniel Ponce De Leon to throw the next four innings. Let him get you to the ninth. Like I, I think that could be a role where Ponce is being used in long relief, sure, but don't just put him out there because you've got to fill innings. Like be strategic, you know that. We, we always hearken back to the Andrew Miller role that the Indians used him in in the playoffs. Andrew Miller is obviously a different pitcher now than he was then, but he was like lights out on top of the world at, at the time, and so you could throw him multiple innings that you know were meaningful innings at the time. It wasn't a situation where it was just a blowout so you had to get innings filled. It was Andrew Miller was in the game because you didn't want to have to use a different pitcher in the 7th and the 8th and the ninth. Like Just let Andrew Miller do it all. So, I I think that could be Daniel Ponce de Leon's role on this team. I think if any manager is equipped to do it, it's the, the reigning NL manager of the year, Mike Schilt, that, that can figure out the, the best ways to de- deploy the guys that are in this bullpen. So, that's kind of the way I look at it. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out, and I'm not going to go out on a limb today, like I said. I'm not going to try to predict today what the roster will be. I'll tell you what I think, with Ponce being in the bullpen, Gomber starting at Memphis. But we've got time before we have to really be uh, put our feet to the fire on that and say, here's what I predict, because injuries are, are, are probably going to open the doors and then make it a little bit more obvious about which guys are going to have that chance. So I'm not going to go into too much detail for that today because tomorrow's another day. Like three injuries technically came up today with Quan Young Kim, with Genesis Cabrera, and Andrew Miller. So any of those could be lasting. None of them might be. But we definitely have time before the regular season starts for things to change in a dramatic way. So, on that front, not going to get too much into the prognostications for where guys will end up. But I do want to talk a little bit about the offensive side of things before we get out of here. Because Dylan Carlson making waves, don't get me wrong, his batting average is well over 400. On base is above 500. His slug is like 670 or something like that. OPS of 1100 and something. Tyler O'Neill has a higher OPS than Dylan Carlson. That's what I wanted to get out of here. O'Neill's 1240 is his OPS for the spring. Got a couple of home runs, had another RBI hit on Monday. Tyler O'Neill is, is taking advantage of his opportunities. And it's been pretty impressive to watch. If he can just stay healthy, if he can, with enough regularity, you know, don't, don't go slumping for multiple days in a row, Provide the day like you did today. Hey, you're one for three, but you got an RBI, you came up in a spot and you got the job done. And the home runs are gonna come for him. If he's in the everyday lineup, the guy's gonna hit his gonna get his bombs to where, I mean, one a week, if you're even able to do that, that's puts you at like twenty-five home runs probably for the season. I don't know exactly how many weeks are in a six-month season, but you can kind of do some quick math. I, I don't see any way that if Tyler O'Neill gets, you know, in that five hundred and fifty to 600 plate appearance range, he wouldn't be a 25 to 30 or more home run guy. And he could get him in bunches too. So I don't want to undersell him. It could end up being more than that. He could easily be a 30 home run guy. But you also want to see the balance to go with that power that he's not just striking out and waving at pitches all the time to sell out for power. He's he's hitting extra base hits. He's hitting the ball hard as many times as he can when he comes up to the plate so that the doubles will happen and with his he's he's athletic, so his speed a little you might get a triple or two in there as well but you're also showing the play discipline to where you're forcing pitchers to throw you the kind of pitches that you can drive. And so in in speaking with that theme, you're also going to draw some walks. So adding balance to O'Neill's game I think would be a key heading into the season. He's shown it all, he's shown it all though so far in spring. Hitting 308, on base I believe is over 400, but then the slug is like almost 800. So he's he's definitely doing his part right now. Uh, which is not to put a knock on Dylan Carlson, who's been more of an on-base guy. Not quite as much power, hasn't hit a home run or anything, but he's gotten gotten some extra base hits. Carlson looks the part. He's absolutely ready. It's just going to be interesting to see, like, if O'Neal continues to look like this, he was a top 100 prospect at one time too. Like, the, I don't think any he's looking at this situation and say, "Well, Dylan Carlson's the top, you know, one of the top prospects in baseball." So I'm probably going to lose out on my chance to him. I don't think so. If Tyler O'Neill is performing, Tyler O'Neill is going to play. I, I think he's got an edge because of the power that he brings. He can play left field. He, he he won't embarrass himself in the field by any means. And so I think he'll end up getting that opportunity. And then it's going to have to be okay, Harrison Bader. You're looking great so far in spring. 9.88 is the OPS for Harrison Bader. That's really good. I wrote it in my article for KMOV today. If Harrison Bader had a 9.88 OPS for a season, he would win an MVP. He would absolutely win the NL MVP with those kinds of numbers because of what he does defensively. You know, he, he'd be, a, I, like I don't know, a 7, 8 win player as far as wins above replacement. I don't think that's exaggerating at all because that the, look at what a 9.88 OPS would have ranked in the National League last year. It would have had to have been up there pretty high. Not many guys are, you know, the the, the stars of the game that are getting 1,000 on their OPS, those are are some big-time names that are doing that. It doesn't happen all that frequently. Add in gold glove caliber defense in center field. I don't think that's crazy to say. And so, of course, Cardinal fans are like, shut up about Harrison Bader MVP. That's not what I'm saying. And they're probably saying shut up about his spring stats because who cares? I want to see him do it in the regular season. That's a good point. All he's got to do, though, is have, I don't know, 750 OPS, 775, that'd be really good. 750 I think would be plenty. I think he's he's your everyday center fielder at that point and it's not even not even a question. But his OPS last year was 680. That's not going to cut it. He can't hit 205 again. Not ripping the guy right now. He's playing really well. So I don't want to I don't want to seem like I'm down on him because all these guys can do is show themselves in these spring games. That's all they can do right now. And fans can sit back and say, well, wait till the season because you're a 205 hitter. That's what I remember. That's true. But if you're Harrison Bader, that's not fair to Harrison Bader because he's put in a lot of work in this offseason and he's doing everything he can right now to to have success. And he's having that success so far this spring. So I don't think you're looking at a situation where a whole lot of opportunity would come Dylan Carlson's way in center field because I think it's going to be mostly Bader. Tyler O'Neill is taking a claim to left field. All right. Seems like an obvious conversation that we're going to have to have about right field and whether or not Dexter Fowler can, can justify his playing time, but that conversation is not going to start yet. It's not, it will for fans. It will in, in the, you know, and we can even talk about it in, you know, media and whomever, but for the team, it's, we're going to trust Dexter Fowler to be there and he will get the benefit of the doubt and he will get the, the run to start the season as the incumbent right fielder until proven otherwise. And I don't know how many weeks that would take, but, we're talking about it right now at the beginning of March because he's had a, a, a struggle some start to the spring. But it's it's just not within the realm of conversation. Like, okay, boom, Tyler O'Neill and left, Carlson and right, you know, Bader in center or Lane Thomas in center if you're not a, a Bader believer. And Lane Thomas has had a fine spring too. A little bit shaky in the field, one of those games, but offensively he's been fine. Uh, I don't know the, the numbers offhand, but he's been solid. And based on what he did last year, Lane Thomas deserves opportunity as well and so that's the only thing that could keep Carlson out is if the Cardinals look at it and say yeah he's a stud but with the guys that are quote-unquote ahead of him on the roster we're we're just not going to you know going to find a way to make that puzzle piece fit because we can get him a roster spot at this point I don't think that's going to be the problem but they're not going to give him that roster spot if they if they think he's not going to play and if Tyler O'Neal is ready to roll in left field Okay, if Bader's ready to roll in center field, okay, and Dexter Fowler, whether he's ready to roll or not, they're going to give him that chance to start the year, and so how many days a week could you find for Dylan Carlson? You could you could do one a day in, in center field maybe for Bader, like once a week you could sit Bader, okay, if it's a, like a matchup situation. Carlson could play, could you get him two a week, one and a half a week in left field, let's say one and a half. That's two and a half if you add the one from center field and then, okay, maybe once a week for Fowler and right, three and a half. Is that enough? Is that worth it? Probably not. And then you also got to consider that Tommy Edmond is going to fill time in the outfield as well because there's starters across the infield that have, you know, a claim to a spot. Edmund has claimed to none of it. So from the perspective of, yeah, you know Dylan Carlson's raking and guys are getting hurt. Jarrell Munoz is hurt with a hamstring. That's another injury that I that I have not talked about yet because it happened over the weekend. But uh, Munoz, don't expect to see him. He'll be out for a while. Uh, he he'll, he'll you know he'll probably start the season on the injured list, which works out for him because you know he wouldn't have to be sent to Memphis that way. But I, I don't know that he was going to make the roster anyway, although with now Brad Miller also having an injury, he was out of the lineup yesterday with back stiffness was supposed to be in there and then was scratched. And so all of these utility infielders kind of coming up injured a little bit for the Cardinals could oper, you know, open opportunities for other guys Edmundo Sosa, certainly somebody that I would keep an eye on because what he's done defensively, he looks really, really sharp at, at shortstop in second base, made another nice play today at second on Monday when he was starting in that game. So, uh, and, and it's hit pretty well also. So Edmundo Sosa, somebody to keep an eye on if all these other injuries continue to pile up for guys. But Tommy Edmund is going to play. And so if you talk about Tyler O'Neill playing time, Tommy Edmond playing time, forget Lane Thomas, you know, he might start the year in Memphis if, if they don't think they can have enough playing time for him. But the same could be said of Dylan Carlson. And so as of right now, I'm not confident enough that to say, like, yeah, Carlson will be on the roster. I, I, I don't even know that it's a greater than 50-50 shot as of today. But it would be very easy for that to change based on performance of others, and especially injuries. If other injuries happen, look, I think the Cardinals, if he's performing the way he is, will look for reasons to put Carlson in rather than reasons to take him out. But there are a lot of reasons not to put him in there right now because he's not going to come up and ride pine. And so, like, for instance, I don't think that the Cardinals are are going to... You know, strip Dexter Fowler of his position, even if he goes over for the rest of spring. I don't know that that's going to happen. Now, that might be a little bit extreme. Over for the rest of spring might there might be a conversation there, uh, or it might be like with with Matt, Matt Carpenter, where you know he was injured and so he came back with a really long rehab stint until he got a hit in Springfield or whatever it was, and then they called him up. That was middle of last year. With Dexter Fowler, if there were to be an injury, I don't think there's any reason to believe that Fowler is hurt right now. He looks good to me. But if if he were to get hurt, that would be an obvious thing to say. Okay, Carlson could slide right in. O'Neill would still play. Bader would still play. You'd still be able to find playing time for Tommy Edmond. That does not mean you wish an injury upon Dexter Fowler. I, I'm I'm not trying to say that either. I'm just trying to like outline the scenario in which I could see all the pieces fitting together. But there's also a scenario in which Dexter Fowler, you know, figures this out and has a really good start to the season because especially from the left side last year Fowler had some pretty good numbers I believe it was like a 780 OPS and so you know it there's still talent to be to be unlocked in there I think for Dexter Fowler and I think you consider another full year removed from the foot injury that and just all the issues that ailed him in 2018 I think there's reason to believe that he could even be a little bit better than he was a year ago it hasn't happened for him so far this spring Uh, doesn't mean it's not going to happen for him though so it's kind of the way I look at the outfield matrix right now. Uh, there's plenty more to discuss and plenty more time to discuss it. But as of right now, you know, I'm not comfortable saying. I've seen other people say, well, Dylan Carlson is probably going to make this team. It could, it could very well happen. As of this moment, until I, I can say, all right, somebody got hurt. Or, yeah, this person's performance has fallen off to where they wouldn't be able to justify giving that person a roster spot over Dylan Carlson. As of right now, I'm like right around 50-50. For Dylan Carlson, I don't I wouldn't say I'm over it. If anything, I'm forty nine point nine percent toward yes and like fifty point oh one percent toward no. But the number the numbers have gone up with each passing day, essentially. And certainly with all these injuries that we've seen and the acknowledgement that maybe Tommy Edmond doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to consider him an outfielder slash infielder on your on your bench. He's just an infielder who is gonna get into the game in the outfield sometimes. If, if Munoz isn't there, if Brad Miller isn't there, like, yeah, that helps Sosa, but I could also see them saying, screw it, like, Dylan Carlson's been this good. We got to put him on the roster. We're, we got to find a way. And so then they do. But again, it's going to come down to playing time. And so unless they know that they're going to have it for him, you could find the roster spot. I don't think that's a problem anymore. But it could be a problem to say, hey, when he gets here, where's he going to play every day? And so that's what we're going to have to wait and see. And if he continues to force the issue, we're going to find it out. And I think the Cardinals will find a way. But as of right now... I'm not comfortable saying, yeah, it's a toss-up. Anything more than that, I'm not comfortable with. Uh, but we're going to wrap things up for today on b Shave Daily. Uh, I appreciate you guys for joining the show today. And my time in spring training will come to an end this week. I'll leave on Wednesday. So tomorrow's show, Tuesday's show, will have plenty of insight for you. Uh, Wednesday's show, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but might not even happen. And if it does, it'll be late, late. Because depending on my flight times, like I'm going to be... Spending the bulk of the day at the airport. So unless I do it like in the morning, and if you have some topics you want me to discuss for a day that I'm not going to be, you know, having a lot of insight from camp and from the actual game that day, certainly shoot them my way, and I could try to do an abbreviated episode on Wednesday over a kind of a fun off-the-wall topic. Like anything goes, send me a DM at bshafer12 on Twitter, facebook.com slash bshafer12, or you can always do a message Uh, voice message that I can play in the podcast and the way you do that is anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message and that would be the way you can, uh, you know, it'll it'll show you with a link you can record right there and I'll be able to play your voice on the podcast and that's always fun and I like to do that. Anytime anybody sends me one, unless you're ridiculous about it, you know, talking about something that's not appropriate, I'm totally going to use it and talk about it because I really appreciate when you guys like to get involved in the show. Like, that's awesome for me. But we'll have to wait and see. And then after I leave spring training, we'll still have plenty to talk about. I'll still keep abreast, obviously, of everything going on at Cardinals Camp. Uh, but the podcast will will have a little bit of a lesser boots-on-the-ground orientation to it for the couple weeks that I'm not here for the end of spring training. Uh, but that'll be kind of when we get into the really interesting roster conversations on a daily basis of, yeah, who is going to make this team and why? And like we can really get into some good debates about it by then because we'll be so close that we might have a better idea of of who our candidates are and, and like the reasoning behind each of those spots being available or not. So uh, that'll happen. And, and then we'll get into the regular season and we'll be off and running with the show from there because when the Cardinals are, are going and playing every day and the games count, we'll break down the games a little bit more than we've done so far in spring because I'm talking about storylines right now in spring trading. I'm not talking about like who won the game. I didn't even tell you, you know, the final scores of some of these weekend games cause they don't really matter. You know, the Cardinals lost to the Astros on Sunday, devastating fashion they walked in the final two hitters after having a 4-3 lead that they got on a home run in the top of the ninth I didn't talk about that because it doesn't matter Uh, none of of the pitchers that were involved in that are guys that are going to factor into the team anyway so you know we kind of gloss over that stuff and give you the stuff that is important I hope you're enjoying that element of the show Uh, but I am excited for when games do start counting we're going to get into it we'll get into the minutia and the details of hey this decision that Mike Schultz made was it the right choice what do we think of it you know, what do we think of this play that the outfielder made? You know, did he miss the cutoff, man? Like, we can totally get into all the details uh, as as the regular season goes along. So I'm excited for that. But for now, I'm just going to sign off. Thanking you guys once again for listening to this edition of Be Shave Daily. And I will talk to you tomorrow.